Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. Welcome back. This is the Hot Breath Podcast, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and this is our series, Comedians on Skype Talking Comedy. This is the show where you get to ask your favorite comedians your favorite comedy questions. So if you want to get involved in these in the future, you've got to join our Facebook group. It's going to be linked in the show notes and the description of this YouTube video for you to join us, connect with comics from around the world, including comics at the caliber of today's guest who is needs no introduction, one of my favorite comedians, an absolute legend in this game. Please bring a round of applause for the one and only Jimmy Schubert, hot brethren and sister, and give it up for Jimmy Schubert. Oh, 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 what's up, man? There you go. What's up, buddy? I figured I'd, I'd walk in. I was getting another cup of coffee. Sorry, man. No, you go get your coffee if you need. I know at your age, I figured you had gone down for a nap for a second. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm good, man. I'm totally good. I was just grabbing another cup of coffee. I figured out we could have some coffee and chat, see how things are going. Of where course. are you at? Like, where are you? Where are you living right now? Uh, I'm in Atlanta. Uh, how is it down there with the COVID nineteen? You guys are opening back up. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, my uh, my wife and I have been staying quarantined. We haven't really been going anywhere, but apparently we're opening up tattoo parlors and. I guess salons and all that, but I, I haven't really, I've been trying to stay busy instead of worried. I don't really stay too woke at this current time because it seems like a lot of negativity. Yeah. I, you know, first off, I think it's, they politicized the virus. They asked us to stay home and we did that and we flattened the curve. And, and now I think it's time to get back. To, I think New York and all along the Excelsior Carter there with it, where the where the Amtrak train runs, which is how that disease kind of spread and hit those, you know, Boston, Philly, New York, mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. I think as you went further west, it, the numbers dissipated. I don't think they thought it was going to be nearly as bad as it was. And once you got west of, uh, you know, out, out west, people just aren't on top of each other. The weather was nicer out here. It was a lot warmer. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we saw the numbers. I mean, I think we have 2,500 cases in all of California. Wow. I mean, it, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, so the numbers are, I mean, and, 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 and these people want us to stay home for another three months. I think it's ridiculous. I think people are just going to go, you know what? F you, I'm going back to work. Uh, you know, I, I don't want, and I, I don't want my friends' businesses to fail. And I don't want like, you know, places like the Magic Castle or the, or the comedy store, or the improv. Uh, I don't want any of these places to wonder. So I think uh, I'm hoping that we get back sooner rather than later. Yeah. You guys are at least open. Yeah, you know? and it's but I still have, you know, I mean, I had probably three months of work. Three months of shows just evaporate into thin air. Like, what about you? Everybody did. Yeah. Everybody did. Everybody did. I mean, you know, everybody did. Unfortunately, that's the way, that's the way it goes. And, and uh, you know, I got a couple shows coming up. Uh, you know, on June 18th to the 21st, I'm going to be in Phoenix oh. at the House of Comedy. But that's a room that seats 250, and they're only selling 75 tickets a show. And then you have uh, Rochester, New York, which is June 4th, 5th, and 6th. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be doing a uh, on stage doing a parking lot show. Like the cars <laughs> are just going to come in, park in the park right across the street from the club. And they build a big stage, which they moved outside. And I'm going to be doing comedy like that. I mean, obviously, and I hate the word new normal. I fucking think it's ridiculous. I think they've successfully accomplished their goals, which is they want to make everybody afraid of each other. They don't want people like associating. They want us talking. They've successfully uh, accomplished their goal, which was to scare the shit out of everybody because then it's easier to control. Um, you know, I think I don't think you're going to get this virus. I don't think you're going to see the W curve, which everybody keeps talking about. I just don't think the numbers are there. And according to Johns Hopkins University, America was most prepared for this virus. We handled it. Our numbers are much lower. It's it's like, you know, it's like a 96% survival rate. Mm 
I mean, a lot of people that died at pre-existing conditions, they probably were going to die anyway of some shit. So, I mean, I, I'm not, I, and, and I'm not being callous here, but I mean, because uh, I know a lot of people lost people they care about, and a lot of people did die. But Jesus, I, I mean, it's time for us to get back to work. I think we'll see. You know, I mean, at least we know what hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc treatments work. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know? I only laugh because like I'll I we're all doctors now. Like we we can hear these yeah, fancy I become, words. I, become, <laughs> I know I've become an expert. Well, you know the thing is, I mean everybody wants to educate themselves. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I was supposed to go to um uh, I went to India with Russell Peters in October. And on that trip we we're supposed to go to Nigeria and Kuwait, but we never went to Nigeria. But in order to go to Nigeria, the doctor had to prescribe me. Uh, she gave me three shots. One was a pneumonia shot and something else. And then I had to get hydroxychloroquine, which is the malaria medication. She gave me azithromycin, which is a Z-pack. And, of course, I have zinc because I take my vitamins. But I actually have it sitting in my cabin, hmm. the, the hydroxychloroquine azithromycin. So... <laughs> Anything happens, bro. I'm ready. I was gonna say you could Let sell it as merch. Yeah, go ahead. You could sell it at yeah, merch yeah. at your shows. Yeah, there's value on that. <laughs> so people watching, go ahead and uh, comment with your questions. Thank you for tuning in here. I'm gonna ask Jimmy a few more questions and then we're gonna get to yours here. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, well, you know, you want to educate yourself, and you're right. Like because. The media in this country is useless. around since the 1950s. It's six dollars a pill. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So but they want you to take it for a set of van. This thousand. You know. But luckily, like we were talking about, a lot of shows getting canceled. But now a lot of comedians are trying to figure out other ways to find that income when there isn't that stage and luckily you have a special and now an album out that yeah hopefully i mean it's seemingly you know i just independently re released my own special and it seems to be doing well based on people just searching seeking out content how's how have you seen the numbers affected by the quarantine i mean my album went to number one you know my special's been out for a year mm -hmm. and we've been steadily you know steadily selling you know, but I mean, because my album went to number one, I noticed that people are rebuying or, or buying and, and my special. So numbers are going, uh, numbers are good. Yeah, yeah. And you went. I mean, I shot the. What uh, we talked about, this is interesting because you self produced and self released it, which is something we talked about. Uh, Mark Normand on here, who no one would pick up his special, so he just threw it on YouTube. And it seems a lot of people are doing that, but then someone like you, Doug Stanhope, went the Vimeo route as well. I'm selling it through my website, so I'm hoping maybe that's the next wave of specials to where we're not well, just you, you like know, my, throwing it out. Yeah, well, the Vimeo route, and let me tell you why, because yeah. it's a 90-10 split. Nice. If you put it on iTunes, iTunes takes 30% right off the top. Uh, you know, I heard a lot of, uh, you know, well, if you're a minority, we would have bought your special. I said, well, I'm not a minority. And that's a really horrible thing to say to me because, you know, I go, well, you know, I go, did you watch the special? And they said, yeah, we watched a couple minutes. But so I said, and, you know, I ran into this time and time again. And also like comedy dynamics. I mean, here's why, you know, I asked, they said, we'd love your special. We want it. I said, what's the offer? And they said, well, if you pay the $3,000 errors and omissions insurance, it's called E&O insurance, because in case somebody sues you for something you say, you're covered. They said they wanted me to pay the $3,000 errors and omissions insurance. And then they said they would throw it on the Roku channel and take 50%. <laughs> that was their offer. And I said, wow, you guys are, uh, boy, you guys are really, uh, you would do that for me? Well, that's all for my fear, you know. But these people are they're, they're useless mm. and they know they're useless. And in this day and age with social media and all these opportunities to, uh, you know, release and promote your specials, you don't need any of these people mm. and you own it. So you own it. See, that's the other thing. If I had sold it to 
any of these companies, they would have ripped the audio off. They would have released the audio and stole my and stole my ability to promote myself on my schedule and the way I wanted to do it. And so I'm just, you know, I, I, you know, number one, it was insulting. They tried to squeeze me for three thousand. I know they have the errors and omissions insurance already because they have a they have a company that produces comedy albums. So in order for them to be in that business, they would have to have the insurance anyway. So they were trying to squeeze me for three grand. So they insulted my intelligence, number one. And then number two, why would I give you 50%? I mean, you know, I spent, you know, I spent a lot of my own money producing this. Why would I give it to you? Why would I give you 50%? What do you bring into the table? I mean, my record distributor, Stand Up Records, they have a Roku channel. You can watch it on their Roku channel. Why would I give it? And, you know, I don't need, you don't need these people. You know anymore, and that's what I'm. That's why. That's why you see Mark Mark Norman, who's, who's a great comic, and he released his, and Sam Morrow yeah. out of New York did the same thing, and 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 a lot of these people are are, are doing it, and it, it's a, it's empowering, uh, you know, the performers. You know, how does that feel though? Like a comedian who's been in the game over thirty years, like you, and done so much. I mean, how does it feel to still be trying to get squeezed out of like a little three grand at this point in your career? Well, that's just the way. That's just the way it is. It's how the business is. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, if you, well, you know, if you watch that movie Ray, you know, about Ray Charles. I mean, Ray Charles owned all his originals. He owned all the originals. You should own your stuff. You know, it's funny because I talked to my record distributor Dan Schlissel at Stand Up Records, who was my partner in producing this album. And the special, uh, he said, Jimmy, you'd be surprised at how many people jump at that deal all day long, mm -hmm. you know? And I, look, I know every morning radio show in the country, I work with them for years. These guys are friends of mine. Some of these guys, they help me promote it. All I got to do is call them. Yeah, we'll have you on. We'll have you on. We'll have you on. So I can, I have access to that network. I have access to social media. I have access to, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, as long as you're doing your social media and promoting it on podcasts like this, you don't need any of these people. And so, you know, uh, on Vimeo, the deal is it's a 90-10 split. So I get to keep 90% of the money and they take 10. And there's also a rent option on my special and there's a buy option. Hmm. The rent option is $3.99. You could rent my hour special for four hours, which is less than a cup of coffee. You can own it and it'll live on your Vimeo account. For nine ninety nine, which is less than ten bucks, and the album's right there as well. I mean, they're they're pretty good price points in this in this economy. So, you know, and, and the album, my this is my this is my favorite album. This is my best album I've ever put out. Zero dollars. Wow. It's the funniest album. And yeah, because I'm still excited about making people laugh. I love what it is that I do. So, and I just I just listened to it on the way home today to get back for this because I did go visit family in Tennessee and had to get back so we could do this because. I was so excited about this and getting to listen to it. What I what I learned from listening to this, and I had seen you live once. You had this, and this was the first time I was aware of you, but I'd never seen you perform live. And I was working the Atlanta Punchline. I, I, maybe Chris Red was the headliner that weekend. I don't remember, but I remember we were in the green room, and you came in, and you you were super nice, and you did, you like asked. You almost like asked for a, like if it was okay if you did a guest spot as if you were like an like you were very just like humble. I think you went under your time, and like that was a that was a moment in my career where I was like, if someone at his level is still treating comedy with that respect, to where you're not coming in with any assumptions, you're not blowing the light. Like a pretty, I'm pretty sure you went under time actually. Like that that really resonated and affected me. Well, you know, you always, re always respect. I, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's obviously I was doing a guest set on another guy's show. I just, I wanted to, uh, you know, I would, I, that's just a, a respect thing because if someone came onto my show, I want them to handle it the same way. Go under the time. Don't push the light. Uh, you know, I, I think that's just a, you know, I was, a, it's a respect thing not, that, because I respected the headliner yeah. as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to make any assumptions, even though, uh, you know, it's just, it's like if someone came to me and asked me like that, I would absolutely let them do a guest set. But, you know, it's, it's the same way with, you know, selling merch, you know, if someone says, hey, do you mind if I sell? If you ask me and you, you know, and, and you have, you know, and 
then I have no problem with it. You know, it's just if you if you make assumptions and and think you know like I mean it's just oh. that's just a, it's just a respect thing. You know, I mean, so yeah. What are not, not go ahead? Uh, no, please keep going. No, Follow that thought. No, I I just said it's just it's just the way I was raised. You know, it's I started the comedy store mm. in Los Angeles, so. You know, I mean, everybody was a big name out there, you know, prior Carlin. So you always, it was always a respect factor, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got to, well, there's so many things, <laughs> there's so many things you got to do, but the, the first one we can touch on is like, you got to work the door and watch people like Carlin and Robin Williams. And you got to see Jim Carrey before he was Jim Carrey and Roseanne before she was Roseanne and maybe make yeah. out with her at one point. But that's all, you know, that's all under the rug right now. And we're talking about comedy. And it's got to become best, well, close a, friends with Mitzi a, as well. Better, well, it was a better time uh, uh -huh. to do comedy. It was a better time uh, in, in, in so, as far as political correctness. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there wasn't this whole cancel culture. And the thing I love about this quarantine, you know, with these fucking douchebags, this cancel culture movement. Like the universe just went, hey, cancel culture, hold my fucking beer. And they canceled everything. And how the fuck do you like it? How do you like not being able to make a living? How do you like not being able to go anywhere? How do you fucking like it? You know, it's no fun, is it? So I think when we come out of this quarantine, I think people may be a little more, um, and maybe they won't be because they're fucking douchebags and that's just the fucking way it is. But, um, but I think people will be a little bit like, you know, it, it has, this thing has a way of putting things in perspective. I think hard reset button for humanity period. You know, what did you, what did you learn? Cause you were around the comedy store, like us, us comedians coming up now, like this is like the folklore of comedy. You know what I mean? Like the comedy store house and people like the, the razor blades in the comedy store green room from like the partying. It's like, we hear these as folklore, but you lived it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, you know, you um, survived it. You know, me and Marin, me and Mark, me and Mark were like doormen together, mm -hmm. and we lived in Crest Hill together, which was the house, and uh, it's every bit as notorious. I mean, I'm outlining a book uh, that I will absolutely tell these stories in a book. Right. Um, but yeah, it was legendary. It was crazy. It was a completely different time in the history of of what it was. It was the you know it was a it was a wave. It was like a, a wave. Everybody was just popping off. Arsenio was there and, and, and dice and Sam and pop, pop. These guys were just blow, blowing up. I mean, you know, Gary Shandling was coming in. Louie Anderson was there. I mean, guys like Harry Basil and, and, and there were just like, there was just like a who's who. I mean, you could, I mean, it really was like my college as far as I'm concerned, but you know, boy, <laughs> and I partied about as much as I did in college when I was at the comedy store, but I'll never forget it. It was a great era and I learned so much by watching some of the best comedians in the country, you know, Paul Mooney and, and, uh, you know, um, just, uh, there was just, it was just a cavalcade of, you know, you got to watch Pryor come in and, and build an hour and watch to watch his process. Uh. And, you know, Rob Williams would come in and, uh, it was just like a, just a, it was just like a, a, fu a fucking circus, man. It was, it was fun to be a part of. And uh, some of my best friends uh, I made there, and I'm still friends with the day, you know. I mean, uh, so, yeah, I, I don't regret it at all. But I, I definitely think it's worthy of a book. For sure. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, in, in researching you there, yeah, you're, you've divulged some of the stories, but I, I, can, I can't wait to hear even more in the book. Like, what are some of the things you learned from, from like, the comedy side getting to be around the pretty much like the 1% in comedy, but then also getting to observe and watch, like what are, what are some things that you learned? Cause you're 18 years old getting yeah. around all of this. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, uh, you know, always work to the top of your intelligence mm. was one of the things, I mean, you know, there's, there's, the, 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 there's different kinds of laughs, you know, mm. like you go up and talk about fucking corn in your shit and then, and, you know, and everybody can make that funny, of course, but those aren't the kind of laughs you want. You want, you want, you want the, you want better laughs than that. And you only acquire that by, you know, and, and it took me a long time to get good at it. Believe me, it took me like nine years to get to a point where I thought I was funny enough to like headline rooms. You know, I always, 
uh, I didn't find my voice until after, you know, I left Los Angeles after Kinison died and I just wanted to start over. And so I went to Florida and kind of started working as a house MC and I was doing comedy six nights a week, but I had all this, I had this foundation of knowledge about what to do and what not to do. And so it really, um, it helped me find my voice. I, I didn't find my voice till I was about nine or 10 years. And it was only by doing it every single night of the week, six nights a week, like 45 minutes a night on stage. That's when I really kind of found my, found my voice. And, and, I've, and, I've, and I just, and you know, it's, and because I have a passion for this, I love to do it. It's just gotten better over time. You know, I love, there's nothing I love more than creating a nice piece of comedy that, that makes people laugh. Like I, I still, that still turns me on still why I do it. Whereas before I used to party a little bit and now the party is what you get to create and put on stage, you know? Yeah. And you really are a craftsman. And one of my favorite lines from your, your new album, Zero Tolerance, which is available I believe it's. I mean, I, I got it on iTunes, but I think it's available, yeah, it's available on, on iTunes all of them. and Amazon. Yeah, and Amazon. And yeah, all other digital platforms. So yeah, you've yeah. you've got to you've got to check this out because this is a comedian thirty years in at the top of the game. And like, what I what I love when you talk about you like crafting a joke. What two things I noticed um, from listening to you that I'd like to maybe individually get into. But one is like your enunciation on stage you are very particular and you're making sure people understand what you are saying and also your word choice you know it seems like you have a very clever and specific way like a line that stuck out was you talking about the self-checkout and i'll just ladle the hot liquid into my hand and i'll lick it off my blister like you seem you could have just said yeah i'll just pour it into in my hand and then i'll just drink it out but you're like ladle the hot liquid blistered hands like you seem to be very specific in the wording well because you're painting pictures with words mm. you're painting pictures with words you're, you're creating this visual image in people's heads and especially on an album that really creates a visual image in, in people's minds and and you know god's in the details i think the more specific you can get the funnier it's going to be uh, I, you know carlin is obviously george carlin is one of my heroes I love George Carlin. I, I I love the way he played with language. I love the way he pulled it apart and put it back together again. Um, you know, and that's really like the kind of things you got in your toolbox. You know, you got phraseology. You got you got you got wording. How can I put a whole paragraph in one sentence? Mm. You know, how can I? You know, it's word efficiency as well. And uh, you know, I really I like having my own vernacular. There's a lot of words on there. That you know you kind of make up words because you find laughter in places where there wouldn't be laughs normally. You know what I mean? I mean you 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 know there's funny things you say in the setups. You know I got you know it's uh I, I just like that. I like peppering and layering a bit. I, I mean I, I like it to be layered because the jokes are happening on a couple different levels. You know there's you know what you're trying to say overall with a piece like this, and then. You know, I like to theme my hour. I like I like a theme to run through the album. Uh, you know, that's just you know like a, almost like a one man show. It's I want to, you know, and so it takes me. You know, it takes about two years to to get wow. the mm -hmm. to to where you have a solid fucking hour that works like that. And then you know the 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 album is different from the special. So there's a couple different things that are on the, the CD that are not in the in the special, and vice versa. Because I want to do it like that. I want there always be a little something extra on you know and how let, let's let's go back to you saying how can i put a whole paragraph into one sentence like can you break that down for us are you going pen to paper writing out the entire paragraph and then going back and editing out unnecessary words how do you condense that well you know everything starts out as a um first off i find something that irritates the fuck out of me okay okay i find something that i really am genuinely frustrated about whether it's dealing with the TSA or dealing with the certain things in life that you do that just seem ridiculous. Now I'm going to have a field day with this whole lockdown and COVID-19 when we come out, I got about 30 new minutes that I can't wait to get on stage to try. But, uh, it starts with a genuine where the frustration is real. So I don't, so when I speak about something, there's an authenticity to it that 
you can't, that's not faked. So when I'm generally fucking angry about something, I'm generally about, and I'm a ranter. You have to balance a rant with just the right amount of rage, but also it has to be identical and accessible to people in the audience. They go, yeah, like you can't be get, you, you can just, and then at the end, you kind of pull back and laugh at yourself, letting people in on a joke that you know that you're not really that fucking angry about it. Mm -hmm. So there's this little, it's a little dynamic with it. And then, um, uh, also it's like, you know, I, like, I just, I overwrite, I overwrite and then I scale back. Okay. And then I, I always go, you know, give me 20 facts. I'll give you 20 jokes. Give me 20 facts. I'll give you 20 jokes. So let's say you're talking about something. And then I go down a rabbit hole on internet searches. And I try to find all the information about what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So when I discuss something, I want to know where I can go with it. So where I can go with it. So I can go. So, you know, and not only that, because in the middle of it, if someone says something, I can also come off with a fact that'll blow them away. Like right now on eBay, there are 24,000 listings for therapy animal uh, certifications, vests, leases, badges. So most of these animals are not therapy animals. Essentially, what the airlines did is they were charging people $75 for them to bring their animals on the airplane or fly on the airplane. And, and so they wouldn't charge you if it was a therapy fucking animal. But I got to be honest with you, it's fucking ridiculous. I fly all the time. It's bad enough. I got to go to fucking Cleveland. I'm not bringing the fucking tiny pony with me because that's just fucking obnoxious. But so I, I just like to research and have, because by going and doing the research and printing up some stuff, then you highlight some of the points that, and then you just start to gather it. And then once you got, because it really almost starts out as a lecture. Mm. And then, and then I just kind of go and I go, that, that's what, this could be funnier here. And this could be funnier here. And this could be, and I try to insert and find these places where I can insert these jokes. So, you know, it's really just kind of a, like a one-way conversation you have with the audience. But I wanted to, uh, but I want to know what I'm talking about. I don't want to just go up there making shit up. I, I, I think, you know, because people always go, that's fucking hilarious. And it's true. And it's true. I want, I want there to be that, that, that kind of foundation. And then, of course, one of the, one of the uh, comedy formulas that I use quite successfully is the over-exaggeration. Mm -hmm. That's a comedy thing, uh, you know, uh, you know, Brian Regan does that in, in, a, in, a, in a way as well. I mean, if you know what your comedy formulas are, that's one that the over-exaggeration of it, it, it becomes ridiculously funny. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, and, and I like great references. I like, you know, like you said, I like painting pictures with words. I like, I like, you know, and, fi and find that stuff. And obviously, I think most of the most of the work I do is off stage in the writing, mm -hmm. you know, and because you know I've been doing this for thirty years, I know who I am. I know how to make something funny. I know how to make, and not only do I to make it funny, but I know how to make it funny to fit me, you know. Yeah, and that here's a great. Yeah, please go ahead. Go ahead. Please, please, please. No, go ahead. You go first. Good. Well, I, yeah, first. I, was, I was just thinking about. The uh, yeah, your specific writing and that you're still mindful of how invaluable that is because a lot of comics think they can get away with just having attitude up there, but there's gotta be there's gotta be that structure behind it. And I'm gr I'm glad you're well, showing us that. Well, you know the funny thing is, you know anybody, it's just fucking lazy. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's fucking lazy. Yeah, and, you know if you're doing look, I, I know some guys do crowd work great. Some guys are really great at it. You know, if I want, but I also think that that's not the audience's job. The audience's job is to sit back and laugh, and and you want them to know they're in the hands of a capable professional. You know, I mean, it's also what you're talking about. There's so many fucking things in the world to talk about, and you want to go talk about a fucking Tinder date or something. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck. People just don't care. They want to laugh and they want it to be accessible to them. Stand-up comedy is really like an every man's art form. You know what I mean? They have to feel like you're one of them, mm. you know? And and so you have to be accessible. I almost arrive at the punchline just a few seconds before the audience does. They're going, yeah, I was thinking that too. I just said that the other day. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Uh, look, there's so many levels. If, you, if you're talking about this, like, like there's so much nonverbal communication that goes on. Like, you know, what you wear says so much about you before you even fucking open your mouth. So 
what you wear on stage should be should say what you're trying to say before you fucking say it. If you'll notice, Doug Stanhope wears the same thing. Andrew Dice Clay wears the same thing. Sam Kinison also like a human fucking cartoon. You, you know, I mean, some guys. It's almost like a, you know. It's just kind of you wanted to say what you want to say before you before you open your mouth. You know. Boom. Yeah. Did you just? I mean, there's little things. There's, uh-huh. there's all this stuff that you would learn after you've been doing it fucking thirty years. But, you know, I want to. Yeah. It's it's a. Uh, listen, I, I I love I love. I love doing it still, you know, I, yeah. to me, I've had a, an amazing life and, and and I'm not bitter and I'm not jaded and I don't think the fucking world owes me anything. And if I'm able to make a living doing something I love to do, then I'm fucking way ahead of the fucking curve anyway. Yeah. I've had a blast. I've been all over the world. I've been to China, Singapore, Macau. I've been to, you know, Ireland and Israel and uh, Dubai and, and just doing shows for expat communities or also uh, doing shows for the military, armed forces, entertainment, Department of Defense. I mean, I went to Afghanistan. A memory just popped up in my Facebook feed with with Drew Carey and Steve Byrne and, and Pedro Hernandez and Dave Mordal. We went over there, did a bunch of shows, a really aggressive kind of 11-day tour of Afghanistan where we did all these forward operating bases. You know, uh, I've also been to armed forces entertainment where we went to Cuba, Guantanamo Bay and Andros Island and uh, El Salvador and... Honduras, and, and you get to, and the great thing is, I get the travel experience, which I think is amazing. I want to, my passport stamp looks like I'm an international spy, you know? <laughs> so does that hat. So, yeah, well, <laughs> well, I just, I don't know, it's, I'm, I'm getting to that point. I, I can wear hats now, pull it off. Are you good? <laughs> Wait, you performed at Guantanamo Bay? Yeah. What was that like? And I'm going to go get a hat as well. I want to match you. So nice. please let them know what it was about. I'll be right back. All right. Well, Guantanamo well, Bay was pretty awesome, but uh, you know you have to do this kind of. They have to do you can come flying in on this really small airplane, and you got to do this like pinwheel turn. And and by doing this pinwheel turn, it's 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 only Guantanamo Air Base that has that because it's a it's a narrow runway. So you really got to do this hairpin turn. And then come down at this runway at nine degree angle, which gets a little, uh, which gets a little ridiculous. But yeah, it was cool. It was cool as hell, man. That looks great. <laughs> Thanks. I thought you would appreciate it. Yeah, it, lo- it looks good, man. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So yeah, you know we're adding we're adding comedy into this as well. That's awesome. So. I've never done this in an interview, but I thought I could match the guest as we're getting into the comedy nerddom. Is this offending you, Jimmy? No, it's not offending me at all. Okay. I think it looks great. Thank it's you. Good, it's a good choice. Of, it's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, buddy. So let's, uh, let's get into the, the viewer questions. Um, gosh, I, I love getting to do this and getting to ask comedians like you. These, I, could, like, I could talk about this all day, but I want to make sure we get into these questions as well. Um, and just in, in researching you comics, dive into Jimmy's like life if you are like a not aware of his backstory. But I mean, this guy, he was on the road with Sam Kennison for five years. He I mean, he's he, this is this is a comedy asset that you need to be studying and you need to be learning from as much as possible. So thank you again for taking the time to do this, Jimmy. Well, my pleasure, man. I, you know, I always feel obligated to, uh, you know, uh, because a lot of you know, a lot of people have helped me over the years, uh, you know, working at the comedy store. I, I think that's the way the art form survives mm. is if you share your knowledge with people that are, are, are trying to come up and, 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 and help them out a little bit, because it really is a ridiculously an incredible an incredibly tough business, you know. And, uh, you know, I, so you need all your resources. It's like, you know, I think this quarantine or, or this thing that we're going through, I think a lot of comics are probably going to get out of the industry just because they're like, fuck, I don't want to, you know, if this is, the, they may not come back from this. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number, number two is there may be some people that are, that are not doing in their life what it is they love and they may try to get into comedy. So, but you know, it's long after I'm gone. This is this, I, I love this art form. I think it's amazing. 
And I think it's really kind of like the First Amendment right kind of summed up in like this one occupation is that you get up there and you get to say whatever it is that you want. But also you realize it comes a tremendous responsibility and being able to present things that like, you know, uh, you know, you should do it. There's a way to do it. You know, some people want to be edgy for fucking edgy sake and talk about you know cancer and rape and all that shit. But I, I got news for you. I, I think it's fucking ridiculous. I think what you should do first is be able to make a room full of people laugh mm. because you're a fucking comedian. I think you should be able to make them fucking laugh. And a lot of this stuff, I find it to be a lot of it's a con, kind of con, a contrived, like a contrived edginess. Like they get off on just being ridiculously fucking, you know, some people do it and they make it look easy. Some people are great at it. But, you know, it's like if you're just starting out and you want to be one of these guys, like uh, you're going to, it's going to be a lot tougher of a road to do. You know, there's a lot of ways to make a living. You can make a living in comedy clubs. You make a living doing corporate events. You can make a living playing casinos only now because there's a lot of casinos out there. You can make a living doing cruise ships now. And if you think about this, like 30 years ago, there were not any of these avenues to to, 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 to make a living doing this. I mean, this is relatively a new kind of an, like relatively a new situation. I mean, you can make an argument to say it's like the second oldest profession in the world, you know, but, you know, this is... The way we do comedy in this country, it, it is a uniquely American art form, like jazz music is a uniquely American art form. And they're both kind of similar. So, I mean, you know, I guess to each his own, it's just, you know, people want to take that. It just depends. You got to think about the big picture, you know, mm -hmm. and you got to run shit like a business. You got to run your social media like a business. You got to run your, you got to run it like a fucking business. First off, you should have a color scheme. Your color scheme should match your website. It should match your Twitter, your Facebook fan page, and your Instagram page. It should be uniform across the board. You're building a brand. And, you know, this is, an, it, like I said before, man, it's an incredibly difficult profession. So a lot of guys try to put the social media cart before the horse. And if, you know, you got to, you know, you got you got to you got to build the act. You got to find out who you are on stage. You know. So. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the time, no, it's all relevant, and that's that's why I was thinking a lot of comics now more than ever. I feel like try to kind of microwave the success and focus on the business before they focus on having something to sell. Yeah, exactly. No, you're absolutely. You can't microwave success. By the way, just so you know, you're gonna fall on your face a bunch of times and figure out. You know, you'll probably do fifteen hundred things wrong before mm. you figure out what the right thing is, and that's a, and that's a, every bit of part of it. That's how you become a fucking amazing fucking headliner. Oh, I don't like the host. I think hosting is the most important job on the show. I agree. I think if you're a great host, then you'll be a great feature act, and if you're a great feature act, then you'll be a great headliner. And these are the building blocks that everybody has to go through. You don't just go from freaking, you know, I'm gonna go write the headliner. You gotta understand. Look, the, the show. Is the star of the show, you know? I mean, people may like this guy or, like, you know, people like, you know, you, you here's a great example. Like, you're sitting there after a show and people come up to you, oh, I loved your joke about that. And, you, and it wasn't your joke. It was the feature act's joke. And then someone come on, oh, I love that joke. Oh, that wasn't my joke. That was the MC's joke. But what it does is it all runs together. They can't differentiate between the joke the MC did, the joke the feature act did. So I just go, oh, thanks, man. I used to make it like pointed out, but it doesn't make a difference. I just go, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't, because it's, lay people don't look at this the way, way stand-up comedians do. So, you know, I, I got tired of arguing with people mm -hmm. pointing it out. Yeah. <laughs> so I just go, thanks a lot, man. Glad you enjoyed it. All right. But, yeah, you know, there's, you know, some guys look at this as a way to run a bar, run a way to run a bar tab and, and fuck waitresses. And if that's what you're doing, you should get the fuck out of the business because it's not going to sustain you. It's not going to sustain you. This is a fucking business. I had a booker tell me this one time. He said, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, lots of times it doesn't make a difference how funny you are because it goes, I, he goes, Jimmy, and I'm a booker. I shouldn't be saying that. But there's guys that I can book that it will be funny enough that will do the job, but they also won't trash my hotel room. They won't get drunk and try to fuck a waitress. They won't get drunk and try to do this. And they, and they won't, you know, trash the hotel room. And everybody will go, boy, that was really, you know, so sometimes guys just book acts like that because they know they're dependable. But, you know, it's, 
you know, you got to be doing this a long time. Look, look at all the success. Like, you know, it, it takes guys 20 years, 25 years to get successful in this industry. You know, I mean, look, I started with Mara. We were both kids. Mark didn't have success until he got later on in life. You know, it's, you know, now he's in, you know, he's in the David Bowie movie. He's in the, he was just in the, um, the Joker. I mean, you know, he's getting, he's acting, he's on glow, you know, ladies of wrestlers, glamorous. I mean, these guys, you know, he's, this podcast, so it took him a long time. It takes a long time, mm -hmm. you know? So you have to embrace that, but, you know, be thinking long-term. What's your long-term plan? What's your long-term goals? You know? What is what is success to you? I'm already successful. I've been in movies. I've had my own Comedy Central special. I'm also smart enough to write and produce my own specials and CDs. I've produced every single one of my CDs, and... Uh, uh, you know, I got residual money coming from when they play me on the radio, which, you know, is great. It's an alternate stream of income. I've done enough acting work that I have a pension fund and I have insurance through the Screen Actors Guild. I also also get paychecks. Like sometimes I'll go to my mailbox. There'll be $1,500 in there. It's just residuals from stuff I've done. Awesome. Right before this pandemic hit, I was over in South Korea from March 2nd to the 9th working on season two of a cross-cultural K-drama Uh that's uh, usually popular around the world, but here, uh, not so much. But the show's called Drama World. The first season's actually on Netflix. So I went over there and worked on it for five days and shot season two, which they paid me enough money that I'm, I'm not worried about the pandemic. So, I mean, I, I have an acting career. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I get to go to the Magic Castle. I'm a magician member of the Magic Castle, mm -hmm. so I can perform there when I want to. I get to perform at the Comedy Store, the... the, the 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 um, improv, the ice house, the flappers. I mean, you know, I, look, this is actually the career in life I wanted to have. That I get to make my, I can make a living doing stand up comedy. Uh, I love doing close up magic. I also like acting. You know, and I get to produce my own albums and create content. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a good life. Do I want to be Dane Cook? Well, you know, not really. And 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 not everybody does. I mean, some people are successful where you make, you know, $150,000 a year and you're just famous enough that you can go out to restaurants and nobody will fucking come up to you and yell in your face or, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, bother you while you're eating. I mean, that's the kind of quiet money. Like, you know, a lot of these guys that are TV writers make, make a lot of money and nobody knows who they are. And they go out to eat with their wives or their kids and, and nobody comes up and bothers them. It's, it, it depends what you want. What, you what do you want? want? There's a lot of ways to go in this industry. You become a voiceover actor. You become a voiceover actor. I know guys that do voiceovers, put them in a completely another tax bracket. They do voiceovers for commercials and cartoons. Big money. Uh, also, guys who just do commercials. They're just actors in commercials. Some guys are extremely successful at that. And that puts you in another category. You know, and some guys want to be writers. They want to write sitcoms you know they don't want to they don't want to tour on the road i mean there's a lot of ways to go Boom. you should figure out what it is you want to fucking do and and then and then find out guys that you like and respect to do that and and find out all the information you can about how their career happened how they got there and just lay that template over your life and figure it out you know boom i yeah that's gold figure out what you want look at who is doing it very well and find out their template. That's great. Yeah, but, and, and apply it to your life. Yeah. Look, you know, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Boom. You know, you know and some guys like doing stand-up in L.A., but during the week they work on TV shows. They write for TV shows. And it's a very lucrative profession. And there's some guys who just do cruise ships. They make three grand to five grand a, a week. They don't got to worry about social media. They go on a cruise ship. They do a week on a cruise ship. They're done. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it depends what you want to do. What will make you happy? If you just want to make a living doing something you want to do, which is making people laugh, there are a lot of ways to go about it. You know, awesome. if you want to aspire to be something else, like a, a famous actor and stuff, like, you know, then take some acting classes. That's what I did. I went to a creative and performing arts high school and I majored in drama. You know, I was a, I was a professional magician when I was 13 and 14. I mean, literally, when I think about this, it goes I get crazy because I knew what I wanted to do when I was like eight or nine years old. And that's really the only advantage I had is I figured it out early. 
And then everything I did up to that point was leading up to the fact that I would do stand-up when I was old enough to go to the comedy clubs. And as soon as I was, I did. And, you know, and thank God I did because, you know, like you said, when you were, you know, you know, and, and, and you know, look, I got a little lost along the way. <laughs> the good news is we're, uh, we're way ahead of schedule. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I mean, you know, I've been, you know, I've been on, you know, I've done, I did like 15 episodes of the King of Queens. I was on, a, I did like four episodes of Entourage, a couple episodes of ER. Yeah, two broke you know, girls. A lot of, like you've done a lot. Yeah. I, I, a little lost yeah, along the a, way. I've done a lot of acting. <laughs> and, 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 uh, well, listen, I, I mean, not everybody can act, you know, mm -hmm. but that, but you don't realize, you go, oh, like, you know, I was in the movie Go, Coyote Ugly, one hour photo. You, uh, that creates an alternate stream of income. You get paid for that stuff with, you know, for, yes. so it's like, you know, it's also, I have a pension fund because of all the years I've been acting. I also have, uh, you know, my health care because before, for the union. So I like having that. I can, I like having the screen actors guild because that's how I, it looks, it's like a union that looks after you, you know? Nice. Awesome. And this, this can tie into actually the first question as we are in quarantine and you're talking about people finding multi different streams of income. And um, Sasha is actually asking, um, this is more from the, the skill development side. I, he says, I spend a lot of my time on the writing aspect of stand-up. Do you have any recommendations for what I can do offstage or at home that can help me improve in the performer aspect of comedy. Yeah. Well, here's, uh, well, here's a couple things, uh, writing. So I would say this, this is a great little exercise. Someone told me this one. I said, get up every day and read a newspaper from cover to cover. Hmm. You read a newspaper from cover to cover. That way you could almost talk about anything and know what's going on in the world today, you know, which would help your writing. Also, I find when I'm writing, um, I'm also reading a lot. Like, right now, I got four books going just because, you know, you're looking for inspiration and stuff like that. And I find when I'm writing a lot, I also find myself reading a lot. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm a voracious reader anyway. But, like, when I'm writing and, you know, I'll take a break and I walk and I just go read a couple chapters of this or a couple chapters here and try to find inspiration that way. I try to look for ideas that no one's talking about. But it, to address his question... He was talking about the performance-wise. What can you do? And I think you just have to believe in yourself. I know that's easier said than done, but listen, you, you know, you should learn to channel the nervousness, the nerves. Hmm. You should learn to channel that because he was, the question was, what can I do at home to get better at performing? Yes. Yeah, so that's, so... Uh, look, we all got nerves. I mean, I, I use visualization a lot. I use meditation, you know, visualize myself killing on stage. I visualize myself being very comfortable in front of an audience. I, vis I, I you know, I mean, if you do the work off stage, you sh it, it, that if you do the work off stage, that should translate into confidence on stage. So if you're doing the writing, you're doing that, then that should look, they're just people. The worst thing that can happen is they're not going to fucking laugh. Big deal. I got news for you. That will happen all throughout your career. You will run across a fucking dumb audience that doesn't get it. And I used to say there were no no such thing as a bad audience, but there are. So, but you know, it's. Are you are you, you rehearsing know, your material? Does that help with the performance side? Well, I I wouldn't say uh, rehearsing, uh, memorizing. Oh, okay. Memorizing, memorizing. Like, you know, I got a couple things here that I'm working on. You know, oh, interesting. and I go over it and I try to memorize it. I mean, look, I know how to present. I'm going to obviously when you know, I think you've asked me six questions. We've been doing this for an hour now. I mean, I, I mean, I, I obviously have a gift of gab. I like to fucking run my cake hole, but um, I, I rehearse it so I know where I'm going with it. I know where the jokes are. I know where the beats are. It's like like acting like, you know, you want to memorize a script. And if you know the script, then when you take it on stage, then you can play with it because you know it so well. Mm. But people think, here's a, I used to watch Robin Williams. And when you're watching Robin, you know, go, man, this guy's improvising his whole act. Not really. After you watch him like six nights in a row, you realize 
It's the same act. He's just doing it out of order. He's just bouncing off the audience and letting it take him in the direction it goes. And you can only do that when you know your act so well. You have to know it so well. Because then you go on stage and you can fucking play with it. You know, people think, you know, people watch a lot of Louis C.K. and they think, oh, he's just talking to an audience. I guarantee he's not talking to an audience. I guarantee you he's worked on those fucking bits, almost every single word of those bits with, with precision. Why do I say it like this as opposed to this? Believe me, I mean, you know, it's only your fucking act. You so you put so much thought into it and the construction of an idea and a premise and a bit. And then you got to go up on stage and act like it's the first time you're saying it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where the, the thing is. But, um, yeah, I think you just got to know your material. Know, know it frontwards, sideways, backwards. Like, I could, do my, I could do my act backwards, forwards, sideways, you know, up and down. And, and when you can do that, then it will give you a freedom on stage. So you could then jump into the audience, do some crowd work, bounce back into a bit, go back over here, bounce back into a bit, do this bit out of order, let that bit lead you into this bit. And it would seem like, wow, this guy's just kind of, it seems like he's making this stuff up on the spot. But only because you know exactly where you're going. Boom. You know? Yes. All right. Great. Yeah, great answer. Great question as well, Sasha. Uh, the next one from Justin Williams. He says, hello, sir. Please tell us about stand-up records and how you got to deal with them. And he follows up with, I found your album on Spotify. How do those deals operate? Similar to Vimeo. Uh, no. Well, when I do play you on Spotify, you do get paid. Again, creating an alternate stream of income. Boom. So it's not a lot of money, but it's a... The deal with uh, the deal with stand-up records is I've been doing business with Dan Schlesel and stand-up records for 20 years. I produced my first album, and it happened by accident. I was planning on it anyway, and I worked at this club that was in Midvale, Utah, uh, and they had a like a, an amazing recording system. And the guy said, "Yeah," he goes, "Pay me like you know," and I paid him like 75 bucks for him to record all my shows and give me the dat tapes. And then the next week. I went to, I was in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and I went to the phone book and looked up a guy who could transfer those dat tapes into cassette tapes so I could listen to them and come up with some editing notes. And that, and by the time I got done, and every day I would go over to that dude's house because he was a he was a musician and he had a, a, a studio, and I think I paid him like three hundred and fifty bucks to help me cut the album, and that's what I did. I cut the album, put it together. And then uh, I had a publicist who knew Dan Schlissel. She sent it to him. He said, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to produce this. And then, so, and then ever since then, we've just been doing business together. I like Dan because he's an independent label, because he's as honest and as fair as they come. Not a lot of people know about the recording industry because you're not, you think, oh, they're selling my, my CD for like 10 bucks. Well, that's not the way it works, really. Because what you do is you wholesale a DVD, you wholesale a CD and DVDs. So you wholesale it to them. So maybe you sell it to the company for six bucks. And then, you know, they, there's markup, you know, and then you have a middleman and then they get a taste. And then when it gets left right down to it, you, you and me, me and my partner, which is Dan Slissel, split what's left over. So, but XM Sirius, there's a thing called Sound Exchange. Mm-hmm. Sound Exchange is a company that you should register with if you intend on, on, on doing albums because sound exchange keeps track of every time you're played on the radio and maybe they may be playing you on the radio and you're unaware of it. And so there's money out there. So you register with sound exchange. you should then set up a, an account with Pandora amp because Pandora amp is for creators like me. It's like, you can leave messages. Hey, this is Jimmy Schubert. Thanks for listening to the Jimmy Schubert channel. Listen, just want to let you guys know I'll be in Atlantic city on these days. And, and what happens is Pandora takes that ad. And then when, cause you mentioned Atlantic city, they'll play that on all the Pandoras in Atlantic city to let people know you're coming. Hey, thanks for listening to my channel. Thanks for listening to my album. Hey, Jimmy Schubert. I got a new CD out, brand new CD out. And you can leave these little announcements for your fan base and you should build your for Chad, Chad Daniels is a guy who's had tremendous success uh, with uh, Pandora Amp, you know? 
you know, you are you are a creator. You should be looking at all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You should be looking at empowering yourself, and but but also, you should be doing the work on your act as well. But you should be investigating all these things. They're all out there. They're all tools that uh, you know we get to use. So gorgeous, yeah. And we've actually um, we're we're working on getting a contact with Chad to get him on here because he's he's been highly requested. So that's yeah. that's great. Pandora Amp. That's good. I hadn't heard of that. So I'll definitely look into that. Yeah, definitely look at Pandora Amp. And they do and they do online seminars to teach you how to use it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's a Pandora Amp playbook. And especially for a guy who doesn't really have a record deal, then you can take some of your recordings and as long as you get the CPU number and you can upload them and create content for your channel. And then you can leave messages for your fan base in between there. So it's really a great tool to have. And it's just, and if you once you set it up, you can put a link to it on your your social media and on your, you know, your uh, put a link to it on your um, uh, website and everything else. You know, awesome, great, man. This is whoo. This turned into so much more than um, we were expecting here. So thank you, uh, Jimmy. Next one, yes, this guy, uh, Jay Frank. He was saying Jimmy with four exclamation marks. He's very excited. Um, and we'll just do like two more here. Um, uh, Jimmy, great album. You're a legend. This is Jay Frank, by the way. Jimmy, great album. You're a legend. It was nice meeting you through Joe and Tachi and Tanachi brother. Does that make the um, how is hanging out with Uncle Lar? How crazy is that, brother? Oh, Uncle Uncle Lar, Uncle Lar. Oh, Lar. Sorry. Yeah, Uncle Larry is uh, Uncle Larry is a uh, a Chicago comedian. He's a legend himself, uh, Uncle Larry Reeb, right? And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I love uh, Uncle Larry. He's a is a great comedian, and also a great guy. But uh, yeah, you know, and again, you know, you, you know, Uncle Larry has this thing, which is a great great piece of advice, by the way. So I write a joke, and you go on stage, you do the joke. And a joke gets a laugh. I'll do it like I'll laugh. And he goes, what you do is you take one word out until the joke doesn't get a laugh. And then you put that one word back in and then you're done with the piece. You're done with the bit, you know, when you write. So, you, you know, in a, in a, in a, as an example, to get word official, so he writes a joke, he gets a laugh. Mm-hmm. And then he slowly takes one word out, one word out, and one word out. So it doesn't get a laugh. And he puts that word back in and leaves it, though, so he knows it's word efficient but yeah yeah i get yeah i guess next question great <laughs> great uh great uh great great story there we got a good nugget out of that so let's go yeah let's get into this final one here and uh june saying nice i uh, just had a light bulb moment i become a slave to my transitions only leading me in a specific order need to revisit how i've been writing to be able to bounce more in different directions i'm a total rookie well you know what i do um, you know, because I do 45 minutes to an hour on stage every night. And as a trick, what I do, June, is I, I lay little breadcrumbs because I may mention something about what I'm getting ready to talk about in a previous bit. Or I may mention something about two bits from there just to leave me these little breadcrumbs so it goes like some also to, to remind me that that bit's coming up, to remind me that I'm getting ready to talk about something like that, to remind me so I leave these little kind of little breadcrumbs in my act that, I mean, because, you know, 45 minutes to an hour is a long time. And so you want to have a way to remind yourself of that. And so built in my bits are these little nuggets to remind me that, oh, yeah, about that. Well, that bit's coming up. Or I have that bit coming up, you know. Mm, very so. nice. So let's, yeah, let's, let's end with this. And um, maybe we can parlay it into, like, a question we had here about um, who is your favorite performer ever? And like, what is your favorite joke ever? But then also what is your favorite comedy advice ever? Like what is something that you've gotten that just really helped you or just advice that you've just never forgotten? That's really become kind of a, a pillar of All right. yes. All right. My favorite comedian ever is George Carlin. Okay. I said that before, but Carlin, I mean, the guy's got, you know, 21 albums, 14 HBO specials, eight books. He was a content monster. I don't think anyone will ever come close to that. I think he's just, he's just a one. And back when Carlin was doing it, 
uh, it was just enough to be a great comedian. You didn't have to do all this other shit. And also, if you look at some of his bits, baseball versus football, I mean, it's it's just so well crafted, and it's a long bit. And I just I'm just a huge George Carlin fan. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, favorite piece of advice. I said it before, always work to the top of your intelligence. It'll separate you from the crowd. I always give my audiences credit for being intelligent. I always give my my audience uh, credit for being smart enough to get the joke. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, yeah. If you work to the top of your intelligence, you will automatically separate yourself from the from the pack. Because most people aren't, aren't aren't thinking at that level. And, and number two, and uh, um, uh, my favorite joke is uh, only because I won a joke telling contest with this joke, um, and I won a Keurig at a, at a golf outing with uh, Kevin James and Ray Romano. They had this joke telling contest, and you know, um, so a guy goes to the doctor. He's got a big gash in his upper thigh. And I says, Doc, I think I, I, I'm going to need some stitches. And the doctor says, yeah, it looks like it. Drop your pants. And the guy drops your pants. And the doctor goes, holy shit, you have brown balls. And he goes, Doc, just stitch me up here and let me, uh, you know, get back. He goes, all right, I'll stitch you up. But I'm telling you, you got brown balls. So the doctor stitches him up, puts a little gauze bandage on it. And the guy goes home and starts bitching to his wife. He goes, God damn it, honey, you keep this place looking like a pig stock. I slipped on the kid's roller skate. I cut my leg on the edge of the table. I had to get stitches. And the wife goes, listen, you son of a bitch. I am the mother of 11 of your children. I'm pregnant with the 12th. I don't even have time to wipe my ass. He goes, and that's another thing I want to talk to you about. So there you go. That's my favorite. That's my favorite street joke. Yeah, I know. It's horrible. It's just... The buildup and the pacing, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Great way to end here. Jimmy Schubert, please let the Hot Breathverse know where they can check out your album and your special and just support Well, you. Everything's, everything's available and accessible through jimmyschubert.com, mm-hmm. and that's Schubert. It's S-H-U-B-E-R-T. Uh, it's uh, spelled like the theater. Not There's no C in Schubert. Or you can go get my Zero Tolerance. Um, album on, on iTunes, which if you're a young and upcoming comic, uh, I, I think you you should get it because the, it's 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 almost like a, a kind of a, a writing uh, seminar to, to, yes. to you know like there's there's there really is you know you should get it just just because it gives you ideas of where you can go with bits that you're not even thinking about you know and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Schubert and Instagram at Jimmy Schubert you can follow my uh, Jimmy Schubert comedian page on Facebook. Uh, and if you go to my website, it'll take you all those places. But yeah, go get my album. Uh, it's really, it's really, uh, it's my fourth album. I'm really proud of it. I think it's hilariously funny. It's 57 minutes nonstop, bang, 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 Boom. old school setups, punchlines, callbacks. That's just the way it is. That's, yes. just, how, that's just how we do. And uh, yeah, so uh, if people uh, and. Uh, Anyway, thanks for having me on, man. Yes, I appreciate it. Yes, and yes. I hope that uh, I hope you I hope you guys got something out of it. The people listening, I hope you got a little something out of it. And uh, so, everybody, stay safe during the quarantine and, and enjoy your life. And good luck with your careers. Hot breath. You're, you're not going to ask me one of the. You're not going to ask me the questions like James uh, Lipton on the Actors Studio. <laughs> What's your favorite swear word, Mister Schubert? Motherfucker. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right. All right. Peace out. Peace out, Jimmy. Appreciate it, buddy. Hot Breathiverse. Go support Jimmy Schubert. Everything will be linked in the show notes. If you want to get involved in more of these Q&As moving forward, go to our Facebook group. It'll be linked in the show notes in the description as well as Jimmy's information where you can go and support him. I 100% agree with his idea that if you're a young comic, you need to hear this album because it is a masterclass on joke writing. I can tell you as a comic 10 years into comedy, I still learned a lot from listening to this album, from joke writing, from delivery, and then 
to hear him expand upon it in this interview. Do us a favor. We like to support our fellow comedians here in the Hot Breath of Earth. Go support Jimmy. Get his special. Get his album. And really, as he said, helping other comedians only help comedy. So go help Jimmy out and support this album. It is, it is a true masterpiece. I was blown away by just the craftsmanship in this album. So it'll be linked in the show notes. Thank you, Hot Breath of Earth, for hanging out here. I truly do appreciate you. And we'll see you in the Facebook group or on YouTube as well. Well, go subscribe to our YouTube. But long story short, thank you. And we'll be back with another Q&A soon. Hot Breath. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.